Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which or who always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. And then 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 and 4 say, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Hopefully you've made that decision in your life. Verse 4 says, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Let's pray before we jump in. Father, thank you so much for your word. We just give you praise and thanks. I just ask you to lead me and guide me and help me say what you would want to have said this morning, eliminate anything I've got planned. Uh, And thank you, Father God, that you will have your way here this morning. You will speak truth to people's hearts. And I thank you for people's hearts being open to receive that truth and to walk away from church today saying, I'm better because I came. I'm more equipped to face life and be the blessing that God's called me to be because I heard the word today. I give you praise and I'll give you all the glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, back there in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, notice that phrase that says, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. And what we pointed out last week is that our opening text tells us that if we're following God, he always causes us to win. And then in in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1 and 4, it tells us that that we as believers, because we've accepted Christ, we have overcome the world and we overcome the world and all its challenges by faith. But, But I started my message last week talking about the fact that, you know, this was sort of dropped into my heart as I was away two weeks ago or three or four weeks ago, now three weeks ago on vacation. Uh, And I was really frustrated with some situations in my life because... Those verses say we should be walking in victory. Can we clearly agree that that's what those say, right? Uh, But I wasn't experiencing victory in my life, and I was frustrated. I was a little bit discouraged because some things hadn't changed in quite some time. And to be really honest with you, I was almost, not in a disrespectful way, but I was angry about the situation. And I was coming to God with that anger saying, Lord, I'm not real happy with this because you say I should be having victory. And this don't look like victory right now. Have you ever been in a situation like that in your life before? You may be dealing with one right now, right? It don't look like victory. And, And so, you know, as I was working through that, you know, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you know, in those moments, and what we talked about last week is in those moments, we need to embrace the principles of faith to allow us to be able to move from what we don't like to what we want and what God promises in our life. We have to use faith to do that. That 1 John chapter 1 says that. It says that this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. How many of you realize you don't get what you want from God by hoping and, and just hoping for it and wishing upon a star for it and hoping it turns out, right? Hope is a good thing, but that hope has to turn into faith at some point because it says faith is what gives us the victory. And so last week we really discussed two major themes as it relates to actually making our stand of faith in those moments where we're discouraged, where we're maybe even angry at God because things haven't changed as quickly as we thought they should. Maybe even last week you were here and we talked about, you know, we'll talk about it in a minute, the shout of faith. And you got shout, you got happy, you got excited, and you left, and things ain't changed yet, right? Well, how many of you realize you got to stay in faith, right? So one of the things we talked about was is that if we're going to uh, live by faith, we need to understand that if it's not good in our life yet, then God's not done yet. Look at your neighbor and say, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. 
That's important to recognize that no matter what you're going through, if it's not good yet, then God's not done yet. There's a position of faith we need to take in our heart that says when it's bad and I want to be discouraged and I want to be downcast, it's because I'm looking at that situation and it's not what it should be. I need to find hope and faith and excitement and joy in the fact that that's not the end result. He's still working. Jesus said those words. He said, me and my father are always working, always working. He's behind the scenes doing things. And so when things aren't what you think they should be yet, and maybe they've been long staying and haven't moved yet, God's not done yet. Look at your neighbor and see, he ain't finished. Number two, we talked about this. We said we need to stand our ground in that belief that it's not done yet. So what do we do? Number one, we're not moved by what we see. We make a choice to not move, be moved by what... How many of you realize when you're dealing with ugly stuff... It's right in front of you. It's staring you in the face, right? But in that situation, you've got to embrace a mind that says, mindset that says, I'm not going to be moved by what I see because that's what the Scripture says. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18 says, We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Notice what it says. We don't look at what we see. It doesn't say we don't acknowledge it. it doesn't say we don't recognize it. You ever, you ever ridden by something, you know, and it's a train wreck, right? It's a, it's a crash, You're like, and somebody says, don't look, don't look, right? Right? Sometimes you look. But the reality was what this says is it says there are things we don't need to look at. That's pretty, that's pretty direct, isn't it? What is it, that's, what is it that's giving you trouble in your life? Are you looking at it? Are you constantly looking at it in the spirit of your mind? Because what this says is, it says, don't look at the things we're seeing, but look at the things that are not seen. What are the things that are not seen? The promise that God has given you that he's going to bring you out of that, right? You may not see that yet. That's what you need to look at. Fix your eyes on the promise. It goes on to say, for the things which are seen are temporary. I've always said this, the facts are subject to change. The truth is not. We look outside and we can see the leaves are green right now, but I can tell you in about four months they're going to be different color, maybe even all gone. The, the facts are tr leaves are there and they're green, but that's temporary. But truth doesn't change, right? Truth that says, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. Truth that says, he meets my needs. That's going to never change. It's always going to be there. So what we need to do is look at the promise and not at the situation, right? So what we said last week is our, our current situation is never our permanent situation if we're living by faith. Amen? So the mess you're dealing with, it's not permanent. As it says in the scriptures, this too shall pass, right? And we said if we believe that, then there are times in our life, and this is where we ended the service, there are times in our life where we just need to allow the shout of faith to carry us through. Everybody say shout of faith. Everybody shout, shout of faith. A couple of you did. That's why I needed to preach it again, right? We should be able to shout in church. Why? Because we read 20 verses last week that said we should shout. Man, if we're in a church that's stuffy and, it's, uh, and you can't ever shout to God for victory, I mean, run for the doors. Not because the people don't love God but because there are certain aspects of their relationship with God they're missing out on. Because the scripture says there need to be times we need to shout, right? And we see it in scripture. And why? Why? Because the shout of faith will carry you through a problem sometimes. 
Notice it says in Psalm chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, But let all those rejoice who put their trust in the Lord. How many of you are trusting God for something to change in your life right now that you wish was different? How many of you are trusting God for that? Well, if you trust in the Lord, it says, Let them ever shout for joy. There need to be times in your life, maybe not in public, but there need to be times where you find time to shout. I was thinking about that yesterday. I was hiking yesterday, and I got to hike over to <coughs> this little back trail over to Carvin's Cove, a little boat dock, and nobody was on the trail with me, and I'm hiking along, and I'm thinking about my message, and I thought, ain't nobody around. I'm going to shout. And I shouted. My dog was with me, of course, and jumped like, what are you doing? Why did I shout? Just to shout? Well, yeah, because God said to shout. You know, I said this last week. Sometimes you'd be better to not ask questions and just do what God said to do. Right? He knows better than us. So it says, let them shout for joy. And we looked at over 20 verses that told us we needed to shout. Why do we need to shout? Because there's something about a shout that requires, I said last week, a commitment. You can whisper and be uncommitted. You can even say it and be uncommitted. But I use the illustration of me going to the JMU football games last year. You know, when it first started out, you know, I wasn't a big JMU fan. My daughter goes there, but I wasn't a big JMU fan. So they'd score and everybody go, whoa! And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's nice. I was uncommitted. After a couple weeks, though, began to find out this is a pretty good ball club. Got to know some of the players. Got to watch it, not personally, but got to watch them play and score. So by midweek, I'm going, yeah, they score, right? By the end of the year, they had the opportunity to win the Sun Belt Conference. And I mean, they're playing that game against uh, Coastal Carolina. If they win that game, they're unofficial Sun Belt champions because they graduated to Division I. They couldn't be official, but they were unofficial, right? And so everybody's, I mean, they're, they're watching them play, and every time they score, I'm going, Woo! I mean, I'm shouting. How many realize that shout right there? I just, you've got to be committed to give a shout like that. You can't do that half heartedly. And so that's what the scripture says you need to shout. Why? Because he just wants you to be committed? No, because shouting sometimes will get you through your problem and to the other side of it. Shouting will sometimes drive the doubt out that's lingering in your mind as you're whispering to your problem in fear instead of shouting to your problem in faith. Notice these scriptures about shouting. Psalm 84 verse 2, it says, With my whole being... Body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. You know, I read this last week. I'll say it again. Has that ever been you? With my whole body, everything, has that ever been you? Because if it hasn't ever been you, the scripture says that should be a part of your life sometimes. Well, you say that makes me uncomfortable. I got to tell you, when I first started cheering for that, you know, me, me lifting my voice a little bit made me uncomfortable. I'm like, well, do I like this team or do I not like this team? Right? Psalm Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 7, Jeremiah said it this way. He said, oh yes, God says so. Notice this, shout for joy at the top of your lungs. Announce the good news, raise cheers, sing praises, say God has saved his people. And so shouting is, is something that, that, that draws out a committed utterance of faith in your life. Now listen, why am I talking about this? I, I'm not trying to be, you know, un, impractical here. And I'm not trying to throw out a gimmick. I even said at the end of the service, every time, I, every, every time, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to whip people into emotional frenzy. But when the scripture says we should be doing something and we're not doing it, we're missing something that should be done 
to have what God says we should have. And we can say we're too wise and too pious and too dignified. And you can stay, like I said, if you're dignified, you can stay petrified, mortified, and putrefied in your situation. Or you can choose to say, you know what, I, I may not be comfortable with this, so, I, so to get started, I'm going to find me a quiet place. I'm going to find me a trail where nobody is. And I'm going to shout to the Lord for victory. I'm going to shout over my life. And what we said was at the very end of the service was, when we do that, that shouting has a way of cleaning you out. I joked and said it was the spiritual x lax that we have in our repertoire. Why did I say that? Because... When you're facing a problem, you know, I was in that situation. I'm walking and I'm, I'm before God and I'm sincere, but I'm angry because my situation hasn't changed. It's not any better. Matter of fact, in some scenarios, it's a little worse. And I'm mad about it. And so I'm in that situation and, 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 and I'm, I'm angry and I'm mad and I'm disgusted. And, and what God says is, is in those moments, you need to allow a shout to come out. Why? Because in that moment, all these things are in the halls of my mind. Doubt, unbelief, fear, right? All these things are bouncing around. And, and what shouting does, it allows you to rise up into the spirit of your mind and the halls of your spiritual life and declare and shout your problem out. You want a good stain out, shout it out, right? It allows you to clean some things out in your life. It'll run off worry and doubt, it'll run off the enemy and his lies, and it'll run off discouragement and frustration. And once you do that, it'll bring you back to a place where quiet confidence is yours again. See, Psalm 62, verse 1 and 5 says, I wait, pay, I wait quietly. See, some people would read that and say, see, some people quiet, some people... No, that is not uh, either or. That is a progression. Shouting and a, and, a, and a declaration of faith will bring you to a place of quiet confidence. There are sometimes you'll never get there. You know, you can get there sometimes other ways, but I can tell you this. There are certain problems in your life you will never get to a place of quiet confidence in until you learn to shout, the shout of faith in your situation. It says, I will wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from Him. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. So what's that saying? Once you shout, once you've got to that place of confidence, there are going to be moments where you're just quietly confident. You can look at your problem and say, ain't got nothing on me. But see, some people will dress up quiet confidence as something that it's not. They're quiet and confident looking at their problem, but it's like, oh, that's got something on me. You ain't in quiet confidence when you're in that position. You're in fear and doubt. And when you're in fear and doubt, sometimes you just got to shout it out. Amen. Amen. And so, but, but after you've done that, you've got to that place of quiet confidence, and now you've, you, you, you know, you've, you've found your time with the Lord, and you're declaring the truth of God's word over your situation, and you're, you're in the, yeah, I said this, but I, I wrote this down. How many, how, many ever, how many ever had an argument in your house? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, we will make an altar call for liars at the end of the service. How many of you had yelled angrily in your house? As I was preparing this message, the Lord spoke this to my heart. He said, if you can yell angrily in the halls of your house, then you sure, certainly should be able to shout joyfully the shout of faith within the halls of your life. 
If anger can motivate you to shout, then faith should do the same, even more so. Amen. But once you've done that and you've gotten to that place of quiet confidence, this is where I wanted to take the message. So I, that was all my setup. <laughs> there is an ongoing action of faith that must be consistent in our life from that place of confidence if we want to walk out of the mess and into the blessed. <laughs> if we want to walk out of the situation that's got us frustrated and into what God has for us, what is that action of faith? Romans chapter 10 and verse 8 through 10, it says, The word is near you. What word? Well, God's word, his promises. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now notice this. I want you to notice this. Because this is a key principle to you walking in all that God has for you. It says that if you confess with your mouth. Everybody say your mouth. I, I'm glad he put that in there because some people, well, I just confessed it in my mind. No. You've got to move your tongue and lips. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I'll stop right there for a moment. How does a person become a Christian? Not by being a better person, not by being baptized, not by trying hard, not what, you know, some people say, how hey, you know you'll get to heaven? Well, I'm just a good person. Good people go to hell. Why? Because good people ain't perfect people. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What this verse of Scripture says, though, is, is the way you get saved is by believing that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. And believing that so much that you make a confession from your mouth that says, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I bend my knee to you. I may not be perfect, but I bend my knee to you for the forgiveness of my sins and for, the help, for the, your help for the rest of my life as my Lord and Savior. It says, when we do that, we get saved. Now, here's verse 10. Here is a principle, a timeless principle that applies to even more than just your salvation and getting to heaven. It says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So our heart believes unto righteousness. It brings us unto it. But how many realize you can get right to a door but not get in it? See, the Bible says even the devils believe so believing ain't enough to get you in the door of salvation. It ain't enough to get you into the door of anything God promises you. It says, for the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto, or that word unto is actually the preposition into, <laughs> salvation. So what happens is, is when we say with our mouth something, we're releasing faith. And faith is what brings about the promise of God. So when you say, Jesus, be my Lord, it releases the power of faith and the Spirit of God comes to live in you and you become a new creation. You become a, no longer a sinner but a child of God. Right? So that's salvation. But that word salvation, if you've been here long, I say it all the time, it is an all-inclusive word. As you look up that word salvation, it doesn't just mean forgiveness of sins. It means preservation. It means health. It means victory. So verse 10 is a timeless principle that applies not just to salvation, but any promise God has made. Any promise. Well, we read at the very beginning of this, the promise of victory, right? How do you walk in victory in your life when you're not experiencing it? Here it is right here. First, believe that his, what he said is true, right? But then say 
what he said. Because your mouth has the capacity to change the outcome of your life. It's your heart and your mouth. Everybody say heart and mouth connection. I used to have would teach children. I, hello. I used to teach children. I, I had a song I wrote called The Heart and Mouth Connection. It gets you to Heaven's Gate. It's a heart and mouth connection. It runs off all kinds of hate. Anyway, at the end of the day, it's not just what you believe, it's what you say. And that's what God told Joshua, the very same thing back in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Well, does that mean walk around with a scroll on your lips all the time? Is that what he meant? No, what he meant was, it's a phrase, right? He's saying, let this book of the law constantly be what you're talking. Meditate on it day and night. That word meditate means to mutter and say over with your mouth. There he is. Good. See you later, buddy. He was just looking for a ride. Everybody wants to jump on a winning train, right? Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and be successful. Notice what he says. What's going to make you prosperous and successful? What's going to give you victory? Thinking on the word and speaking the word. Everybody say, speaking the word. One of the biggest ongoing actions of faith that will walk you out of your troubles and into victory will be what you say with your lips. It'll be what you say. Why? Because faith has a voice. Everybody say, faith has a voice. Faith is not just believing. They are two separate things. Believing is one thing, but faith is something entirely. It's, it's, it actually, it's, faith is belief compounded when you add speaking to it. And so faith has a voice. That's really what I've titled my message today. There are going to be ongoing confessions in our faith. So we shout the shout of victory, right? And we declare it, and we come to this place of quiet confidence. But are we just supposed to stand there quietly confident? No. The Bible says from the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So as you're walking through your problem, you need to be speaking God's word over your situation consistently. See, it's not what you shout about on Sunday mornings that will bring you victory. It's what you say in the dirty here and now, Monday through Saturday. That's going to bring you victory and bring you God's promises in your life. You have to, and notice Jesus said, that, said it this way in Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, he said, have faith in God. And he gives us the recipe for faith in God. How do you have faith in God? Verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... Be removed, and now you say, I've heard this a hundred times in this church, 22 years, I've been here a lot of those years, I've heard this over and over again. I felt like the Lord wanted me this week to put you in remembrance and stir up your conscience. Because sometimes, like I said, we're, we're buckets with holes, we leak, our confession slips. It says, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says, believes what he says, believes what he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Notice Jesus said these words. Now either Jesus was a crackpot or he told the truth. Right? And what he said was, is you're going to have whatever you say from a believing heart. And here's the interesting thing to note about it. He says 
He talks about saying three times in that verse 23 and only believing one time. What that tells me is that the saying part is going to be the more difficult fight that you have than the believing part. Why do I say that? Because believing is just a choice. A lot of people think believing is getting to this place of, oh, you know, you know, nirvana where you believe something. Believing is just a choice. It's just a choice that says, I see that in God's Word, so I'm going to believe it. I may not feel it, but I'm going to believe it. That's belief, right? That's great. But the harder part of that is, is actually saying what you believe when your greasy little tongue wants to say something different. Right? When you're feeling bad and somebody asks how you're doing, you want to say, boy, I'm really struggling, right? But he says you got to say what he says. That's why today I asked Connie, you know, because Connie had been trying to overcome something in her life, and the first words out of my mouth, how you feeling? I said, no, 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 I don't want to ask you that. What's your confession? I'm really trying to make it a point to stop asking people how they're doing. Start asking people what their confession is. Why? Because it encourages them to say what God's Word says instead of saying the circumstances. See, it's controlling your tongue to say what God says about your situation that's going to be the challenge in your life. James chapter 3 and verse 8 says, but no man can tame the tongue. You know what that means? No man can tame the tongue. But it doesn't say God can't. See, if, you're trying to, if you try to go around controlling your tongue by yourself, how many of you realize you, you go out and you know, stub your toe and kick the dog and say something you shouldn't say, right? But when we submit our lives to the Holy Spirit and we submit our lives to His truth, it can change the way our tongue is used. And what that verse says is, No man can tame the tongue. It's unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. What's he saying? He's saying that tongue is an unruly little devil. And there are times you'll be shouting on Sunday morning and you get home Sunday afternoon and you're talking about how bad things are. Right? It says no man can control that. And that's a problem. Why is it a problem? Well, notice James tells us why it's a problem. You say, well, words, you know, that ain't a big deal. I mean, I, you know, I didn't really mean it. Notice what he says here. When we put bits in verse chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. And take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue. Likewise, the tongue. He says the tongue is just like this. It's a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest it's set on fire by a small spark. What's he saying? He's saying just like you put a bridle in a horse's mouth and you turn that bridle, that horse will go that way. And just like you take a rudder of a ship, and even though the wind's blowing, if you turn that rudder the right way, that ship will go that way, right? He says the same way, you're going to guide your life to where it's going to be by the words that you say. Jesus said it, right? He's just repeating what Jesus said. You go have what you say. So the question we ask ourselves is, we can talk about the shout of faith, we can talk about the confidence of faith, but the real question is, is are we speaking the word every day in our lives? It's what gets us to victory and it's what keeps us in victory. And I can tell you, maybe you've walked in a place of victory and it's beginning to slip through your hands. One of the, I'm not saying it's the only place, but one of the best places you can begin to look when victory starts slipping through your hands is, is what are you saying about your life? Did a problem show up and you start old me about it? Or did you shout to it and then speak the word over it? 
1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 says, remember what we read back in 1 John, it says, what did we say? We, it said, the victory that overcomes the world is our faith, right? 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, fight the good fight of faith. You know why it's a good fight? I always say this. I, I, I've been in a few fights in my life. There was never a good one I was in when I got beat. I remember when I was in elementary school, went to Bedford Elementary School, and all these kids joined out by this big tree out next to the school, and I, I was fighting this kid, and this kid was down from, the, I mean, the hard part of, if, if there's a hard part in Bedford, but there was a hard. But he was from, you know, you know, a place where it's pretty hard. And I was going to fight him, I can't even remember why, but I mean, he whooped my rear end, he whooped me left and right. I mean, I was like, get off of me, get off of me, get off. That wasn't a good fight. But I've been in other fights where I won right it's a good fight because we win it says fight the good fight of faith take hold of eternal life take hold of eternal life that eternal life is the word zoe it's the word that means life like God has it it's and, and, and one definition is life in its absolute fullness Oh man if your life isn't full you got to take hold of it you got to grab it it says fight the good fight of faith how do you do it by faith you lay hold to it to which you were called when you were made, when you made your, notice that, good confession. Everybody say good confession. See, how did you lay hold of salvation? We read it in Romans chapter 10, right? You confess Jesus as your Lord. Your confession got you on the path to the life God has for you. But it's going to be your confession that's going to move you down that path as well. And if you choose not to speak God's promises over your life, you'll have what you see instead of what you say. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Notice it says lay hold. It says take hold. That tells me that there's a fight involved. There's going to be work that we need to do. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says everything. Notice this. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us. Well, that's enough right there for a whole message. Y'all staring at it? You're not letting it by, you're right. Notice what it says here. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by His divine power. So, does God have what you need? Trick question. No. God does not have what you need. Some people say, well, I'm running out of this church. What you need came from Him. But what that verse says is everything you need is already in you. I'm going to let that settle for a minute. I'm not saying you're independent of God, you don't need Him, but I'm telling you what this verse of Scripture says is that everything that pertains to life and to godliness, that word life, once again, is all the things that pertain to this life. <laughs> and godliness is everything that pertains to holiness. So everything you need for this life already resides in you. See, that's the problem. Too many people are waiting for God to move and God's waiting for them to speak. Whoo, that was a good one. <laughs> for all that was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him. See, it all comes from Him, right? It all comes from Him. We take no glory for what's in us, but I will give God glory for everything that's in me. has been lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him who has called us by name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. As a result of this, He has given you magnificent promises. Everybody say magnificent promises. 
that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires of, of the world. What is he saying there? He's saying if you want to enter into Zoe, the abundant life, life like God has it, the life that Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. If you want to enter into that life, it's already in you through the promises he's given you. Right? See, when you become a believer, you receive Jesus and everything that he is and every promise he's ever made. It's in you already. See, that's the problem with most people. Most people are waiting on God to give them something. When they're sick, oh God, when are you going to heal me? And he's saying, I already promised you. It's already yours. You say, well, I don't see it yet. We're not moved by what we see. But we are moved by the Word of God. See, when the Spirit of God said to me, if it ain't good yet, I'm not done yet, he wasn't saying, if it ain't good yet, I haven't moved yet, and I'm waiting for my perfect timing to do that. This is a real good little nugget. You need to hang on to this. There are two different perceptions of honoring God and His Word, and one of those perceptions is a subtle lie of the enemy that has hoodwinked probably 99% of the believers on this planet. And it's this mindset. It's a mindset that says... I'm waiting on God to move in his timing. See, that mindset says, well, God's sitting on his throne somewhere and he just ain't pulled the trigger yet. And if that's what you believe, that's what you'll get, an unpulled trigger. The other says, I believe he's moving behind the scenes because he's already told me this is what he would do. Did you catch that? Listen, this is practical teaching, but I'm telling you, this will change your life. And sometimes we need to check up on ourselves and understand, have we, you know, there's so much out there in the form of media and music and teaching and everything else that we can get subtly hoodwinked into believing some grand thing about God, that he's got this plan and in his timing, he's going to bless you. Listen to me. The Bible says every promise of God is yes and amen in Jesus. If God said it, it's already yours. It's already been released from his hand. And if you'll just believe it, he'll work behind the scenes. So when he said, I'm not, if it ain't good yet, I'm not done yet. He's not saying I'm waiting to move. He says, you need to believe it ain't good yet. I'm working on it. I'm bringing it to pass. So musicians, as you come, we're going to close up. We're close to noon. We've got to beat the Baptist to lunch. <laughs> I just made Kyle cringe. Kyle's like, I'm looking for the day you hold us here till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody said, whoa! I'm not quite done yet, though. If y'all can hang with me. Listen, don't unhook yet. You know, sometimes when I'm teaching, I can feel when people unhook and I just got to stop. And you miss out on what God wants to, the rest of wants you to do. I got to tell you, how many of you give me five minutes? How many of you give me five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. I got 30 minutes plus. All we already, everything we need is already in our possession through the promise God has already made. It's already ours. It's not, you've got to look at God that way. When you come in talking to him about your situation, you're not waiting for him to relinquish. If you're coming for healing and you're waiting for him to relinquish healing, you've looked at it all wrong. 
as a believer, it's already in us. That tells me the healing power of God through the promises of God is already flowing on the inside of me. Stop thinking that it's not. If it ain't good yet, he ain't done yet. He's, de he's deposited precious promises in our lives and how we manifest. Or, you know, it's, I'm careful about words I use today because I use them in culture today. You know, I manifested that. You didn't manifest Jack if you ain't using the promises of God in your life. Now you can manifest, uh, well, Jesus said you will have whatever you say, so you can manifest negative, go ahead and speak negative, right? You go have what you say, and there's a certain element to the truth that your words have power even over your life, even if you're not mixing them with the promises of God. But I got to tell you, you mix your words with God's promise and allow God to manifest problem, things in your life, you won't have it with a sting or a pain or a problem. It'll be a lasting truth that you've established in your life. So what we say from a believing heart is what we're going to have. Everybody say, faith has a voice. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Jesus said, you are going to have what you speak over your life. If you murmur and grumble and complain, you're going to have that. Oh, but if you speak the word of God with truth and victory over your life, maybe you have to shout it to get to a place of confidence, and then you walk out of that place of confidence, and every time that problem shows up, you speak the word from a believing heart, you will have that promise eventually. You will. When you speak the truth of God's word over your situation, you are releasing every resource of heaven to go to work behind the scenes to bring it to pass. Psalm 103 and verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Notice it says angels are heeding the voice of God's word. The voice of God's word. See, the scripture tells us that there are ministering spirits, angels that are sent to minister for us and help us as heirs of salvation. And they are waiting with bated breath for us to speak the word so they can go do it. So they can orchestrate, they can change things, they can move things in our life to cause the word of God to come to pass. So what I want to do for the remainder of this service is I just want to remind you of some things that you should be speaking over your life consistently and regularly. I didn't say perfectly because sometimes the old tongue's going to slip, but when it does, just say, God, forgive me. Water on the bridge. Pick, it, pick up your, 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 your word confession again. So I don't want you to have to write these down because I, I actually I've got, I got 20. You ready? How many? I got 23 of them for you. So 23, really? We got, I'm definitely not going to beat the Baptist to church. You'll beat the Pentecostals, don't worry. I'm going to give them to you quickly. I'm going to give you 23 things God says about you that you should be saying over your life. You say, but I don't want to miss them. As you leave today, I got them down on a sheet of paper for you. Everybody gets one. And I want you, listen, this should be a regular practice in your life. I'm not just giving you the paper to pump you up one. There should be moments in your devotional time where you sit down and you speak these confessions over your life. So much so that they become a part of you. So when the opposite starts happening, what comes out of you is the truth of God's word instead of your concern and worry and fret. So you ready? 
21 things you should be saying over your life. Number one, you should be saying, I am saved. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So you should be saying, if you've done that, I am saved. So if you've done that, say this with me. Say, I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. I confess that he is my Lord. Therefore, I am a child of God. I am saved. Doesn't that feel good to say that? Number two, you should be saying, I am a new creation and my past has no control over my future. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, anybody that be in Christ, he is a new creation. So say this with me. Say, because I've accepted Christ, I'm a new creation. My past cannot dictate my future. My future is bright and new. Amen. It's okay to shout if you want to. Number three, you need to be saying, I am right with God. Notice Romans chapter, notice 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness put in right standing with God. So if you've accepted Christ, you're in right standing with him. So say this with me, because of the blood of Jesus, I am righteous, which means I'm right with God. Therefore, I have been made worthy to receive all of his promises. Woo, that's good news this morning. Number four, I am free from the weight of guilt. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So let's say this with me. Because I'm in Christ, I don't have to feel guilty or under condemnation because I'm forgiven. I'm free from guilt before my God. Don't it feel good to be clean this morning? Number five, I am the apple of God's eye. Psalm 17 and verse 8 says that we are the apple of his eye. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11 tells us that he has been made rich because we've been given to him as a gift. Think about that for a moment. Apple of his eye, and he considers himself rich because I've been given to him. Not because I'm something special, but because I'm the object of his love. I'm the apple of his eye. So say this with me. Say, I'm the apple of God's eye. He delights in who I am. Today and always. And he's going out of his way to bless and protect me. Number six, you need to be saying I'm valuable to God. Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46 says the kingdom of God is like a man searching for a pearl of great price. He called you a pearl of great price. That's something valuable. Come on, say this with me. Say, I am a pearl of great price. I am important to God. I'm a vital part of his plan. And he's counting on me. Number seven, you should be saying, I am awesome. See, Psalm 139 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, how great are your works, O God. When you start feeling bad about how you look or how you feel or what your weight is and all that crazy stuff, you need to stop for a moment and say, bless God, I'm working on that, but I am awesome and wonderfully made. Come on, say, God created me, therefore I am awesome. Therefore, I am marvelous. I'm an awesome, marvelous work of God. Don't that make you feel better about yourself? Number eight, we got, we got to keep cranking. Don't give up. Don't unhook. I 
am wise. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6 says, but we have the mind of Christ and he's been made wisdom and peace to us. So say this when they say, I have the mind of Christ. There's no situation for which I don't have wisdom to address it fully. I am an intelligent, wise child of God. Look at your neighbor and say, did you get that dummy? Number nine, I am the healed of the Lord. First Peter 2.24 says, by whose stripes you were healed. Matthew 8.17 says, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. We need to say this, say, I am free from sickness. By the stripes that Jesus took at Calvary, no sickness, disease, virus, malady, malfunction in my body can remain in my physical body because I've been healed by Jesus' stripes. Woo! We need to be speaking that truth. Number 10, I am protected from harm. I ain't got time to read it to you, but Psalm 91 talks about he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty and no harm shall come nigh him. Say it with me. Say, I don't have to fear. I'm protected by God from every calamity. His angels are watching over me daily to protect me from accidents and harmful things. You need to be speaking that over your life. Number 11, we ain't even halfway there yet. I will enjoy a long and satisfying life. Psalm 91 says, with long life I will satisfy him. If you ain't satisfied yet, he ain't done yet. Psalm 118 and verse 7 says, I shall not die but live and proclaim the works of the Lord. Come on, say this with me. Because of God's promise, I will live a long and satisfying life. I will remain here on earth until I'm ready to lay down my body. Sickness, disease, nor accidents will take me out early. Amen. You say, you better watch what you're saying. Well, that's what God said. I'm going to watch what I'm saying. I'm going to say it. Number 12. I have all my needs met and everything I need to succeed in life. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, according to His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. Come on, say it with me. Say, there is no situation I will face that I don't have the provision to face it and succeed. My God has given me everything I need and supplies all my needs. Even when it don't look like it, you need to be saying it. Number 13, over halfway, God takes pleasure in prospering me. See, some people will say, well, God wants to meet your need, but he don't want to prosper you. Psalm 35 and verse 27 says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Notice this, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Psalm 1 and verses 1 through 3 says, if a man will follow God, whatever he puts his hand to will be blessed. Come on, say it with me. Say, it's God's desire and joy to give me success in my finances. Because I'm God's servant, I declare that God takes pleasure in prospering me. Whatever I put my hand to prospers. Woo! 
Number 14, I'm so blessed that I can't contain it. Malachi for the tither and the giver, it says in Malachi 3.10 that if you'll give tithes and offerings, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't contain. So much you've got to give it away. So if you're a tither and a giver, say this one with me. God has declared that the windows of heaven are open unto me because I'm a tither and I give offerings. I loose the provision of heaven in my life through my giving and through my words deals raises promotions and favor that will increase my finances are mine in jesus name come on now number 15 almost there i am complete for the task ahead colossians chapter 2 says for in him dwells the fullness of the godhead bodily and you are complete in Him. You're not inadequate. Notice what it says. Go ahead and say this when you say, All that heaven has to offer dwells in Christ, and Christ lives in me. So I have the resources of heaven at my disposal at all times. Ooh, that's good news. Whatever you need is in you. Number 16, I have a greater one in me. First John says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, say it with me. Say, I have a greater one in me, greater than the devil, greater than sickness, greater than poverty, greater than any problem that is in the world or that life can throw at me. Number 17, the devil is under my feet. Ephesians 1 and verse 20 says that God raised Jesus from the dead and set him in heavenly places far above principality, power, and every name that is named. Ephesians chapter 2 says, and you hath he quickened and seated you in heavenly places with him. So if the devil's under Jesus' feet, the devil's under your feet. And all his bag of tricks as well. Come on, say it with me. Say, I've been seated in heavenly places with Christ and all things are under my feet. The devil is under my feet. I'm not afraid of him. I have authority over him and can resist his attacks in my life. Satan is defeated in my life. I bind his works in Jesus' name in every area of my life. Number 18, getting close. Look at your neighbor and say, he's almost there. Almost time to eat. Number 18, I am free from the power of sin. Romans 6, 14 says, sin shall not have dominion over me. That tells me that there's no habit, there's no problem, there's no thing in my life that I cannot control with Christ Jesus on my side. Amen. Come on, say it with me. Say, I have received the grace of God. Therefore, there is no sin, addiction, or habit that has the power to control me. I can and will control my body, my appetite, my words, and the gaze of my eyes to ensure that I live a holy and pure life. Number 19, I reign in life as a king. The Bible says those that have received the gift of righteousness, they reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Come on, say it with me. Say, because of Christ, I've been made a king in this life. I reign in life. I decree and declare what will take place in my life. Life doesn't 
dictate the outcome of my life. I declare the Word of God and it will be my reality. When you do it consistently. Number 20, I can do all things no matter what the task is. Philippians 4.13, very often quoted, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, say it with me. Say, Christ is the strength of my life. Therefore, there is no situation that can defeat me. There is no task that is required of me that I cannot accomplish. Number 21, I am more than a conqueror. Everybody say, I'm more than a conqueror. Jesus said, we've been made more than conquerors. Say this, say, I've been made more than a conqueror. That means that I face challenges knowing that I will overcome them. Amen. Challenge shows up, we don't run, we got hot dog. Chance to overcome. Number 22, two left. I am a winner. As I said to kids when I taught them, I'm a winner, not a wiener. Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. He always caused me to win, that I'm always winning. I'm always winning. Come on, say it with me. Because of Christ, no matter what happens, if I keep pressing forward, I will win. I am a winner in this life. Last one. My future is bright and everything's going to be all right. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, I know the plans that I have towards you, saith God. They are for good and not for evil, to give you a hope and an expected end. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says, All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Come on, say it with me. God has a great plan for me and my future. He's working things out for my good. No matter what problems arise, God will work them out so that things turn out well for me. I have a bright and happy future ahead of me. Can I get an amen to that? Amen? Amen. These are the things we should be saying regularly over our lives. In the dirty here and now, Monday through Saturday, when a problem shows up, we shouldn't wag our head and complain. One of these should come out of our mouth. For it is what you say from a believing heart that you will have in your life. We'll close with this. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, our opening text says, Now thanks be unto God, who always causes us to triumph in Christ and make manifest the savor of his knowledge. If it ain't good yet, he's not done yet. Keep speaking the word. Keep declaring the word. Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy. Let the shout of faith establish your quiet confidence and then walk through life giving voice to your faith by speaking the word. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Father, I went a little longer than I normally would this morning, but I felt like you wanted me to do this. I pray, Father God, that this is not viewed as just a gimmick. This is a tool in the arsenal of the believer. And I pray, Father God, we'd incorporate speaking these truths over our lives and our devotional times so much so that when life presses in on us, this is what comes out. Let us be folks that declare your word. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. 
Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.